Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 podcast, where we share the sermon of the week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. Uh, when I was a kid, there was a show on television called The $10,000 Pyramid. Now I think it's like The $100,000 Pyramid, right? Where you, y'all know this game, right? Where you sit and uh, the person facing the little television screens has to come up with some sort of uh, single word, right? That brings you to a point of saying the word that's on the screen and then the higher you go, the more money you get. You have 60 seconds to do it. Am I, is this, you, you all know this show, right? Okay, good, good, good. So let's play for a second, ready? All right. Ice. Next one. Boat. Light. Rich. Death. Well. He did okay, I guess. You know, we've talked a lot and we continue to talk a lot and who who it is, but we are people that have a different perspective on this word death. Um, Death for us is gain. Death for us is gain. If you're a Christian, death for us is gain. Now remember, we operate in a different economy and the economy... I'm not speaking of finances. I'm talking about our culture. We as Christians, remember, we're in it for the long game, right? We, 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 don't, we don't view the world the way the world views the world. We view the world differently than the world. And so in this word association game, death for us is gain. If you need a text for this morning or something to write down, I would suggest this. Philippians 1.21. Philippians 1.21 says this. For me to live as Christ, we know that well, But the other half of that says to die is gain. That's as much true as the first part of the equation as it is in the second half of the verse as well. Martin Luther, who is uh, the father of the Protestant Reformation uh, in 1517, he said this, even in your best of health, you should have death before your eyes always so that you will not expect to remain on this earth forever. I don't know how often you think about death. I think about it occasionally. Um, It just kind of hangs there as that unseen thing that we all deal with, we don't like to talk about. So I said, why don't we just talk about it then today for a little bit? Um, I don't know that I've ever preached just a sermon on death Um, in my 30 some odd years of ministry. And I thought about, uh, because I have four grandbabies now, you know the kids game, and and adults can play it too, but it's that maze where you start in the center and you try to work your way out to the edge without being caught in a a thing. And so you kind of dead end and then you dead end and then you dead end and then you finally get to the end and you're dead. 
gosh, that's not very exciting, is it? You struggle, you struggle, you try, you try, and in the end, you still die. But for us, the Bible is clear. We will leave this world by death or perhaps by the rapture. In Revelation, the next to last verse of the very end of the Bible, Jesus is speaking, and he says this, he which testifieth these things saith, this is him speaking, this is what he says, surely I come quickly, amen. That's what Jesus said. Then the, the revelator, John, says, if you're reading in a, in a, in a red text Bible, the, the surely I come quickly, that's, and the amen, that's red, and then John editorializes and says, even so, Lord, come quickly in King James. But should God tarry and the rapture does not happen before you die, as it has not happened to this point when we get caught up to be with the Lord and and we don't die, um, you will die. You're going to die. Some of you came close to death before. You stepped up to the edge and you looked down. You go, wow. At the end of the day, we're all going to die one way or the other. They're going to put you in a casket or they're going to cremate you. Uh, and then your body gets eaten by worms. Eventually, I don't care how expensive the crypt they put you in. You're all going to look like King Tut. And he looks good. Here's what the Bible says, right? This is our economy. This is the lens that we view life through. Genesis, here's what the Lord says. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from the ground you were taken, for dust you are and dust you will return. Remember the Lord at the beginning created us out of dust. We're all going to go back to dust. Every one of us, our bodies, should the rapture not happen before we die, will eventually decay in the ground. Maybe you had a family member die, um, and this is a very difficult sermon for you to hear, but you know, join the family. The person on your left has had a loved one die, and the person on the right has had a loved one die. Okay, so what the enemy wants you to do is isolate yourself and, and, and make you think you're all alone in this sometimes very sad journey. But guess what? It's something we all have to deal with. And unless we talk about it, we're just not going to get what the Bible and what the Lord has for us where Revelation is concerned about death. Cheryl had her parents, both her parents die, which was weird for us because we'd always, I still have my mom alive. My dad has died. My dad fell down a flight of stairs and broke his neck. That's how my dad died. Yeah, shocking. But Cheryl, when she had both of her parents die recently in the last couple of years, she said there was just a, a sense, even though she has a brother, she has a sibling, she said there was a sense of like orphanness. Like, I don't, I don't have that connection anymore. And dealing with death can be difficult at times. We experienced three miscarriages together in varying stages. My brother died last Christmas at age 49. My nephew died with 30? 29. Oh. So it's, we're not strangers to death and the heartache that comes with death. 
And you probably aren't either. I only say those things to let you know I'm not speaking from a calloused heart that doesn't understand it, that death has touched all of us. It's, it's, uh, it's difficult. It's difficult. Someday, <laughs> someday I'm going to die. Right? Where was that? Where's my Bible? I was, uh, I had the Bible here for Fan the Flame uh, Friday night, which by the way was amazing. Fan the Flame was amazing. People from all over the region coming to worship. So I have my Bible here and I, I generally don't bring this Bible. I use this Bible. Um, but I had brought my, this is my, this is my Bible Bible. This is my study Bible, my, my home Bible. And I turned to Cheryl at practice this morning. I said, hey, because I saw it, I said, when I die, whoever preaches my sermons, you please have them use this Bible. And so, so death for us, we don't, we don't avoid the topic because it's coming for you too. It's coming for you too. It's near all of us. And I asked, someone once told me, death is so close, death is close to all of us. The closeness of, de- I, I envision it like this. If I'm a young person, right? You don't think about death when you're young that much. I don't think. I didn't. You know, living life. I mean, I'll tell you a testament to the fact that young people don't think about death because all the stupid stuff they do. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, now I even look at it. I go, man, you're going to die. You're going to hurt yourself doing that. And now getting up off the ground, I hurt myself. But, but, um, so, but for a young person, death stands just behind them. And for an old person, death stands just in front of them. Death is not far from any of us, young person. It's, it's just standing behind you. You don't see it as closely as those of us who perhaps are a little more advanced in age sense that, that it is close to all of us. King David had a revelation about death. In Psalm 39, this is what he says. He says, show me, O Lord, my life's end and number my days. Let me know how fleeting is my life. You have made my days a mere hand breadth, which is the distance, the width of your hand. You've made my days just a mere hand breadth. The span of my years is nothing before you. Each man's life is but a breath. And then he says, Selah. Which, if you're unaware, that Hebrew phrase means pause for reflection. Each life is but a breath. Contemplate that. Do you think about the 700 breaths you breathe in the last hour or so? No. That's how life is, just a breath. Now, in the New Testament, James, he says it like this. What is your life? You are but a mist that appears for a while and then vanishes. Now, that was written in Greek. Perhaps if he was writing in Hebrew, he just might accentuate that with a selah. You're just here for a moment. We want to think that we're very important, and we are in the eyes of the Lord. But I venture to say not many of you know the name of your great, 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 great grandparent, and that's your family. You've already forgotten them. Hmm. But we have the mind of Christ, right? And we're supposed to have a Christian view of the world. Run the race with endurance. Remember last week? Patience. We're in this for the long haul. This life, this breadth, this, this 
handbreadth of a life that you have lived here on earth is, uh, is the dress rehearsal for heaven. Earth is the front porch of heaven. And you make your journey to the front porch. See, we don't think, we don't act like the world. We don't believe like the world. I mean, the, what does the world believe? Oh, you're gonna, when you die, you're gonna come back as a bug. You're gonna come back as a bird, a fish, a tree. You can giggle, they're out there. Or death is just the end. There is nothing after death, annihilism. You're annihilated, there is nothing after death. Or there is no hell, or we all get to heaven. We all go, we're all God's children, we all go to heaven. Everyone goes to heaven. Well, that is a fairy tale. That's not how this works. Because we know the truth. Here's what the Bible teaches. I said what the Bible teaches. There's one true perspective that we are allowed to have of death. And it's not Oprah Winfrey's. It's not Dr. Phil's. It's certainly not Jerry Springer's or Andrew Tate. Yes, I know who Andrew is. So, remember our tests, our opening scripture, our text from this morning, Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and to die is $100,000 pyramid. Death, gain. That's counterintuitive in the world today, but that's our perspective. For us to die is gain. As Christians, we don't fear sunsets, or just as individuals, we don't fear sunsets. Why? Because the sun comes up tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow there'll be sun. You don't have to keep singing, it's okay. You want to. Right? We know that to be a truth. So when we see the sun going down behind the mountain, we're like, <laughs> because we know the truth. The sun will come up tomorrow. We don't fear death like a sunset or going to sleep. You know how I go to sleep? I'll tell you what, my wife and I, we got a new bed this year. Best thing I've done in 37 years of marriage. Holy smokes, this thing is like 38 years of marriage. Sorry. <laughs> That one year was not, it was 37 good years of marriage, as they say, right? <laughs> Love you, baby. So, no, but after we got that bed, after we got that, we lay there, and we, we just, what we say? Oh, this is so awesome. This is so amazing. Like, we're not afraid of going to bed at night. Why? Because the sun will come up tomorrow. People who know the truth aren't afraid of sunsets or bedtime. We know what tomorrow holds for those of us who pass on to be to walk through the door of heaven from the por front porch of earth. We know what's there. Let's just remind ourselves here for a minute, right? Death is gain. Well, 
we know that Jesus set us free, and he set us free from fear. Why? Because we are free from sin, and sin leads to death. Here's the proof, Romans 8, you know it. Therefore, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life did what? Set us free from the law of sin and death, and, and now I am free to the law of grace. That's later in the verse. But he set me free from the law of sin and death. Okay, pastor, I get it. I'm free from sin. Got it. And I'm free from death, but I'm still afraid. That's legit. That's a legitimate emotion. I'm free from sin. Holiday. Why am I happy that I'm free from sin? Because sin leads to death. So I don't have any fear anymore. I'm alive to Christ. It's, it's gain. So death for me is simply the portal I walk through when I close my eyes here for the last time, I open them there immediately in the spirit realm. Now my body is still gonna go to the grave and, and, and that'll have whatever, and we're gonna talk about that in a little bit, what happens then. But there is no more pain, no more suffering, no more despair, no more PTSD, no more asthma, no more cardiac this, no more cirrhosis that, no more... None of that. Boom. Wow. A sunset. Going to sleep and waking up in his presence. I have no fear over that. But here's the juggernaut if you still deal with fear. Because I'm going to give you a verse of scripture which you know well and it's found in Hebrews 2.14 and it goes like this. Since the children, this is you and me, he's talking about you and me, have flesh and blood, he, meaning Jesus, he too shared in their, meaning our humility and humanity, so that by his death we might destroy him who holds the power of death. And that's the devil. What a powerful verse, man. Woo! But we forget the next verse. And free from who all, and free those, meaning us, who all, who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. What? That tells us right there that what he did in Hebrews 2.14, where he came and lived his life, and he went to the cross for you and for me, we don't even have... Yes, I'm free because I don't sin and the sin leads to death and that's awesome and I got freedom here and I got joy here, but joy in death, meaning that I have no fear as I lay on my deathbed, whether it's a memorial or St. John's or at my house or I get hit by a truck on the way home. No fear. I'm trying to instill in you that if you have, yes, you're a born again Christian and you love Jesus and you're still like, ah, fear, there is no reason for you to fear. There's no reason for you to fear. He loves you. There will be a sunrise tomorrow. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. He came and he set us free because of our whole life being held in slavery by fear. Being held in slavery by fear, the fear of death. He set you free. We don't fear death, not in our culture, not in our life. We shouldn't. Why? I've told you, we live for the long game. Your life is just a breath. You are a, (laughs) I've said this many times, you are a spirit that happens to have a body. Because when 
when, when, when my truck stops running, Lord, let it mean it'll ever happen. When my old beat up yellow 227,000 mile truck stops running and I will drive it until it dies on the side of the road, I'm just not going to stay in the truck. I mean, the belts are going to finally and the tires and the, something's going to blow up and I'm not going to stay in the truck. I'm going to get out of the truck and I'm going to go on. This is what your life is. This is what your body is. It's just, a, a, it's just the tent in which you now inhabit as a spirit man. Because you're, you will, listen, if I'm born again, I'm going to live forever. If you hate God, you're still going to live forever. There is an eternity for every soul. There's an eternity for every soul. The question is whether that eternity will be in heaven or whether that eternity will be in hell. Well, I gave my life Jesus. I'm going to live forever. Well, you're already going to live forever. It's either going to be eternal life or eternal death. And you have a choice to make, and we'll talk about that. I don't fear death. And if death decides, begins to creep in, I think to myself, why am I afraid? Maybe I'm not right with God. Oh, Lord Jesus, please make me right with you. I can tell you more often than not, 80% of the time, if I, when I get on an airplane, I say, Lord, if this is the final thing that ever happens to me, and I go up in this silver tube, and we all go down... Incidentally, the people in first class, they hit the ground first, just saying. <laughs> I thought I said, all the way back by the bathroom. <laughs> you know, we're all going down. And by the way, as a total side note, as it relates to fly, flying first class, which I've only done once in my life, as it relates to, and that was not on my ticket, as it relates to flying first class, you know what the great equalizer is? The luggage carousel. They get, off, they, get, they get off first, but, uh, and, and then we all stand there shoulder to shoulder waiting for the luggage to come, you know? <laughs> Death is there for all of us. The luggage carousel is there for all of us. We all got to pick that bag up. Whether you, fight, whether you, fight, you know, live in your mansion or you live in, live in some squalor, we're all going that way, and God values each of us the same. I'm getting ahead of myself. Why, why, am I, why am I looking forward to, why, am I, why, why do I have joy, why, why, why is there no fear in my life where death is concerned? Because we play the long, the long game, right? Because when a Christian dies, your body goes to the dust, it goes back to the earth, that's scriptural. But your soul, who you really are, you know? I mean, you take two identical twins, they're still not the same person. They look the same, they have the same t looking tent, but who's really, is their mind, their will, their emotions, that soulish realm that makes them two totally different people, right? So that's what goes on home. In Corinthians uh, 5, 8, it says, we are confident, I say, and would prefer to go away from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Our eternal home. Now, I have a home, you have a home, but you have an eternal home. You have your tent, and you put that tent in your home, but that home someday is going to be destroyed too. It's all going to go by way of the dust. But we have an eternal home. Heaven is our home. We're just passing through. You're just passing through. You don't belong here. You do not belong here. I feel out of place sometimes. You ever feel out of place? Gosh, I just don't belong here. But you know what? The journey, 
the journey will be worthwhile when you get to the end. I think of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. Not running around. But then when he said, when he saw the father, oh, his temporary home was out in the squalor with the pigs, but then he got home. What did dad do? Threw a party. The kingdom of God is like a celebration that when you come home, and when you gave your life to the Lord, yeah, we, we all clapped for you, and, 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 and that was awesome. That's nothing. That's nothing compared to the celebration when they say, ladies and gentlemen, Jeremy Lewis, and all of heaven just begins to scream and applaud that Jeremy made it. Home. Fill in the blank with your name. Ladies and gentlemen, Jeremy Margaron. Everybody just starts cheering. You made it. You made it. You made it. Then your mom runs up to you. Your dad runs up to you. Your grandma runs up to you. And your fourth generation grandpa, you don't even know his name, comes running up to you and says, you made it. You made it. We're citizens of heaven. It's like you get a passport. I don't know if you have a passport, but that's the most important document in your life. Of all the pieces of paper that you own, not your mortgage, not your house, none of that stuff, it can all go away if, you, if, they, if they think you don't belong here, right? You show up in Germany, you show up in China, you show up in Japan, you go to Thailand, you go to Australia, and you don't have your passport, I don't know who you are or where you're from. You're an alien, you do not belong in this country. Well, when you get born again, you get a new passport and it's stamped heaven, it's stamped heaven. So when you get there and, 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 and the Lord says, why, why, should, why should we let you in? The only answer is that I accept what you did for me on the cross. I mean, you did it all for me, God. You, you, I, there's nothing I did that gets here. Uh, you, you gave it to me by grace, through faith, in you alone. I, I, yeah, I like singing in the choir. And yeah, I like being an usher and a greeter and a Sunday school teacher, blah, 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 blah. blah. I know no, no, that was just because I loved you. I'm not trusting in any of that. I'm just trusting in your sacrifice. That's why I'm here. And he goes, good answer. Come on in. But you stand and you start reciting all the good things you've done to think that's going to get you in. It's not going to happen. We'll talk about judgment here in a minute if I got time to get there. I got a lot to say about death today. Philippians 3.20. But our citizenship is in, say it, heaven. And we eagerly await for Jesus. Nearly at every funeral I preach, I'll use the scripture out of John 14. Just two verses. It says, in my father's house, Jesus speaking, are many rooms or mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And so I'm going, and I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And because I'm going to prepare a place for you, I will come back. I will come back. I will come back. I will come back and take you to be with me so that you, where I am, you'll also be. Home is the Father's house. Home is the Father's house. He says, oh, you got the right passport. Come on. Let's go on home. Now, let's go to the, the fact that when you die, you're put in a casket or you're cremated or whatever, and your body goes back and people come, come visit your grave and remember you and think about you, and that's nice, and, and, but you're, 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 your physical tent is in the ground somewhere or sprinkled over 
in, in, in uh, uh, Aaron's case, Lambeau Field, or wherever your body is sprinkled in the ocean, sprinkled in the ocean or whatever. And, and I'm, uh, maybe I'll make some comments on that later, but, um, but you're going to go back to dust. That's where the tent goes because that's where it came from. But the spirit didn't come from the dust. The spirit came from God. So what is dust goes to dust. What is spirit goes to spirit. See what I mean? And so in 1 Thessalonians, this is what it says in the message paraphrase. It says, because Paul knew that this was a question. He says, and regarding the question, friends, that comes up about what happens to those who already are dead and buried... We don't want you to be in the dark about that. So first off, you've got to carry on. Uh, you must not carry on over them like people who have nothing to look forward to as if the grave were the last word. So does that mean not to have, not to have grief? No, absolutely have grief. Tons of grief. You can have, yes, feel the pain of the loss that you have. That's very you-centric. I'm not saying it's wrong. It's natural. It's part of the process. Grieve. I mean, in Israel, I remember one time uh, one of my guides, his brother had died like a month before. He had not shaved for a month because in their tradition, they just don't shave for a month as a sign of uh, I'm grieving. But because a lot of times in America, it's like, <coughs> oh, my, died, my, my dad died yesterday. Okay, you know, you give yourself a day or two and I'll go back to work on Monday. This is not how it works really. In, in the worldly economy, you know, it's like get back to work and forget about it, get over it, rub some dirt in it, you're going to be fine. Da, da, da. No, but no, death needs some grief. Death needs some grief, but don't stay there. You got to come out of that. First off, you must not carry on over them like people who have nothing to look forward to, as if the grave has the last word. He's saying the grave doesn't have the last word, right? Since, verse 14, Jesus died and broke loose from the grave, God will most certainly bring back to life those who died in Jesus. And then we can tell you with complete confidence, we have the master's word on it, that when the master comes again and he gets us, those of us who are still alive will get a jump on the dead and leave them behind in actual fact they'll be ahead of us now you may be familiar with this in the king james or niv but what he's talking about the dead in christ will rise first so the dead that are in the 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 ashes that have they will get a resurrected body like if you exhume your born again grandma her bones are still there but after the rapture, when God comes at the second coming, dead bodies start coming out of the grave. Well, you shouldn't blow your mind. You believe in the resurrection already, right? He was the first fruit of that resurrection. So the dead in Christ rise first. Comes back, then those of us who are alive at that time, alive and remain, we will be caught up together with them in the air and so we will be forever with the Lord. Verse 16, the master himself will give a command of the archangel thunder, God's trumpet blast. He will come down from heaven and the dead in Christ will rise. They'll go first. Then the rest of us who are still alive at that time will be caught up with them into the clouds to meet the master. Oh, we'll be walking on air. And then there will be one huge family reunion with the master. 
so you can reassure one another with these words. That's what I'm doing right now. Oh, then I should just die. No, 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 no. That's not what we're talking about. Let's get this back in context. Remember, verse Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain, but let's read the next verse. If I am going on living in this body, this will mean fruitful labor for me, yet what shall I choose? I, I don't know. Verse 23, I'm actually torn. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, but... But, 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 verse 24, but it is necessary, it's more necessary for you that I remain here. Why is that? It's because there's a mission for us after we give our life to Jesus. People that don't know Jesus have a death wish. What do you mean? I'm telling you that the, that the wages of sin is death. I learned early on in my theological life, you say, well, you were born with a sin nature. I understand that, but sin, but what is, when sin has its complete work, what does sin equal? death. Are you paying attention? Yeah. Right. So listen, you don't, you're not born with a sin nature. Yes, indirectly. Don't argue with me. Just let go with the flow. You're actually born with a death nature. You're, you're living in death until your spirit gets born again. Okay. So we have a commission. We do it together. Do the work of the Lord to tell others about his forgiveness and freedom. That's why we don't just cash it in. And that's why when you got saved and you got water baptized, I didn't hold you under the water when you got water baptized. Why? Because you have a mission now. You're part of the co-mission that we do together. It's not just for you. No, the reason you got saved and the reason that you, the pastor didn't hold you under is because you come up to go do the work of the ministry. You are a priest. You are a minister. When you come to church, you're coming to minister unto the Lord. I simply facilitate the opportunity for you to sing corporately, to lift your hands, to give an offering, not a dove, not a bull, not a goat, but the 10% but the of what you worked last week. See, it hasn't changed. It's still the same. But so if you look at me as the one that's the minister, no, 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 no. You have a Catholic view of life. There's the priesthood of the believers. That's you, ladies and gentlemen. You have something to do, part of the mission. That's why I let you up after I water baptized you. So do it. All right, so I don't have a whole lot of time, but as I was writing this, I had like seven other sermons to preach or eight other sermons. So I've got, I've got just bullet point, some housekeeping theological questions that might be asked that you might want to know about. So either get the tape or take notes quick. Number one, what about babies? What about children who die? Well, you're saved by grace, right? So are they. They're saved by grace too, by the grace of God. They don't even know that they're sinning. They don't know who Jesus is. They don't know, they have no accountability to their life. They're just, they're just blobs of human flesh and you're trying to train them and, and help them to walk and, and learn yes and no. And then, it's, you know, they don't, they don't know. So it's grace that saved you and we trust that God's grace covers them because they don't have the option. They don't have the ability to say yes or no to Jesus. They haven't come to a point of accountability where that's concerned. Number two, is there a second chance? So I'll, I'm going to die. Well, first of all, if you roll the dice, you think I'm going to do it on my deathbed, you know, the train or the truck might have a different opinion of how quickly it is that you're going to have to think about your death before you actually die, right? But to the point of, well, there's this intermediate 
purgatory place where it's not really heaven, it's not really hell. And so in particularly in Catholic doctrine, you can, you can pray, you can give money, you pray for the dead, which is in our economy is useless because they've already made their decision as to whether or not, you're not praying them into heaven. You're not giving enough back in the day, 1517, Martin Luther, you could actually pay to get people out of purgatory. I mean, what a racket that would be, huh? Convince you there is a purgatory and then tell me, tell you if you give me $50,000, I'll pray to get them out. To which Luther said, oh my, <laughs> to which Luther said to the Pope in writing, well, if you have the power to do that and you don't do that based on whether or not somebody can give you money, then you're really the devil. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you see why little mic drop there back in the day. All right, we got to go on. So there is no second chance. Hebrews 9, 27, just as a man is designated to die once after that judgment, boom, that's it. Judgment's coming when you die. Number three. Do I believe in cremation? Do I think cremation is a sin? I do not believe cremation is a sin. I think whatever your heart's desire, if you, if you, it, there are people that don't love God, I'm just gonna get cremated because there's nothing, a nihilism, you know, they're already, they've already made their bed and they'll sleep in that. But, but where finances are concerned or whatever, it's all going back to dust anyway. It's all going back to dust anyway. Well, it doesn't seem right. They need to be put in a... Well, what about the guy who got bit up by a great white shark off the coast of Australia and he, part of him went that way and part of him went that way? When he gets his earthly body, do you think, yes, the God of the universe can gather all your molecules from all over the earth and bring them back together no matter where they are. You go up in a helicopter and you sprinkle them over Pike's Peak. He doesn't care. He knows exactly where they are. So, so for me, and I'm telling you, that's my, I, don't, I don't have a scripture to point you to. That's what I believe. Are near-death experiences real? Yes, ask Lazarus. But here's what you got to do. Here's what you got to do. And this is where, this is where oftentimes people get a little, a little bit, the, the wheel goes and gets a little squeaky for me because then they start treating what they wrote in their book as doctrine, as this is the way, this is what's going to be there. This is what they, no, 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 no. That's just one person's opinion and it's not scripture. This is the only place you get to go to, to find out what heaven is like. I went to heaven for three hours and I saw, that's awesome, good for you. That was your experience, wonderful. And you know what? That could encourage a bunch of people, encourage, it even encourages me. But I don't stake my life on that. I stake my life on this, this and this and this alone, period. Watch the movies, read the books. If it's good and aligns with the word of God, you can eat it. But if there's chicken bone in there, you better darn well spit it out. You'll choke. I'm telling you, you're gonna choke. And by the way, how do you, I remember as a kid, I don't have time for that story. All right, number five, eating chicken with bread. Did, anybody, did your grandma ever tell you eat a piece of bread when you're eating chicken in case you get a chicken bone, right? I just thought that Jesus is the bread of life, right? So it gets rid of the chicken. Okay, all right, I said it anyway. Number five, number five, Christians who die do not become angels. Angels are created beings. There's a finite number. And angels wish they were us. Why? They're created beings. They're standing around the throne singing, holy, 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 holy. And they look at us on a Sunday morning, lifting our hands voluntarily of our own free will, worshiping and singing the song they could never sing, which is the song of the redeemed. They don't sing the song of the redeemed. Oh, 
See, I told you each of these is a sermon. Number six, your Christian loved one who died is not visiting you as a hummingbird or a cardinal. Which leads me to number seven, which is don't monkey around trying to talk with dead people. Seances, Ouija boards, crystal balls, psychic reading, chandlers, mediums, shamans, witches, P.S. There's no such thing as a good witch. God forbids Christians to involve themselves in spirit contact. Demons can masquerade as the dead. They can mimic the voice of your loved one, even give you information that only that dead loved one knows. So here's the biblical truth. Jesus is the only mediator between this world and the other world to come. Here it is, 1 Timothy 5, 2. For there is one God and one mediator. This is 1 Timothy 5, 2. There's one mediator. The word mediator means go-between. There's only one mediator between God and men, and that's Jesus Christ. End of story. Some witch, some medium, some crystal ball, some Ouija board, whatever. Stop it. If you, if you did that or you're involved, just repent. You got that, if you got the Ouija board in your house, throw the stinking thing away, would you? I'm not a big fan of Native American dream catchers either. I'm just telling you that. That kind of junk, what, what is that? You know, and as long as I'm on this hobby horse, I'll just tell you this. You know, I love God. I love Jesus. Jesus is the source of my life. Blah, 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 blah. But then comes Halloween and you got skulls and all kinds of witchcraft around your house. What's wrong with you? Please don't do that. Well, it's just cute. No, it's not cute. It's just plastic and the kids like it. No, 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 no. If you want to celebrate the dead, which is what the holiday is about, it was, it was birthed by uh, the All Saints Eve, where we celebrate the saints of God who've gone on before. You know, you can dress up as He-Man of the universe, dress up or whatever, but you dress your kid up as a witch, eh, dress your kid up as a goblin, eh. You know, I'll tell you what, I dressed up as a ghost. I put a sheet over my head, cut holes in it, ran around my neighborhood when I was a kid. Back when sheets were cool. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Kids, you know, kids. You know, and I did the whole thing, and I turned out okay. But I, why roll the dice with your kids? Just why roll your dice with the kids? Have the pumpkins, have the harvest, have the wheat. Talk about the harvest of souls. Talk about celebrating what, the goodness of God and the, and the abundance of God in your life. But just the whole, all that stuff. Okay, golly gee, you know, uh, where am I? Number seven, number eight, number eight. All right, here it is. Everyone is going to be judged. Well, only God judges me. Yeah, yeah, make it a tattoo if you want because that's the truth. At the end of life, Romans 4, 11, it's written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every knee will bow before me. Billy Graham and son of Sam. They're both going to bow before him. One will willingly and one will reluctantly. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that, that God is God. Every unbeliever, before they spend their eternity in hell, every unbeliever, every person that rejects God is going to say, you are God. That's what it says. So then each of us then was going to have to give an account to God. And there's two, there's two judgments. The judgment seat of Christ, that's for unbelievers. And then there's the great white throne, that's for believers. 
and then we go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. I just want to be in the right line when I get there. I want to go to the great white throne, not the judgment seat. Now, I've been talking a lot about physical death. Physical death is when your, when your tent breaks, when your car breaks down. It just stops functioning for whatever reason. There's two other types of death, and you need to know what those are. It's the spiritual death that we all have before we know him. That's why you look at people that, that have not confessed Jesus as Lord as they're just, they're dead men walking, literally, in the spirit realm. Their spirit is not alive. This is why Jesus told Nicodemus, you must have that spirit come to life, be born again. Nicodemus says, I don't get it. How do I get back in my mother's womb? What are you talking about? He says, no, you, you're born, of, you're born of, of, of your mother's womb, of flesh and blood, but you gotta be born of the spirit. That's the spiritual death. And then there's the eternal death, the second death, for those who've rejected Jesus. If I'm born, if I'm born of my mother and I never get born again, I will die twice. I will die a physical death, and then when I get to the judgment seat of Christ, he's gonna say, wrong answer. And I'll have a second death, eternal death. But if I'm born of my mother, and then somewhere along the line, I get born again because of his grace, by faith, through grace, by faith. I've been born twice. Then I only have one death, my physical death. Then my po eyes pop open in heaven. There's a reunion. I get to see my grandma again. So here's the question, are you ready to die? I mean, that's the question. You get a better answer every day. Run with patience. That's Hebrews 12. We did that last week. Death to a Christian is a funeral for all of his sorrows and a resurrection to all of his joys. Remember our word association game? Death equals gain. Philippians 1.21, for me to die is Christ, but to die is gain. What am I saying, dear brothers and sisters? Is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God, 1 Corinthians 15. These dying bodies, they can't inherit what will last forever, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will be transformed. Yeah. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye when the last trumpet blows and when the trumpet sounds those who have died will be raised forever and we who are living will also be transformed for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies and then woo, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die this is the scripture that gets fulfilled death na 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 you didn't get me. Didn't get me. No more sting here. It's like the Lord pulls the stinger right out of the bee. You're going to die once, not twice. For the sin of the sting, for sin is the sting that results in death, 56, 57. But God, who gives us victory over sin and death through the Lord Jesus Christ. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong. 
be immovable. Always work enthusiastically as a priest for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever in vain, it's useless. You know who uh, Spurgeon is? Great prince of preachers from, from England back in the 1800s. He said this, depend on it, my friend. Your dying hour will be the best hour that you've ever known. Your last moment will be your richest moment. Better than the day of your birth will be the day of your death. Better is the day of your death than the day of your birth. For it shall be the beginning of heaven, the rising of a sun that shall go down no more forever. Don't fear death, ladies and gentlemen. Give your life to Christ. Give your life to Christ. Stand with me today. Keith, come on back up, worship team. Can you put some music on, Aaron, until they're ready, please? Thank you. Let me have your attention just for one more moment, please. Listen, I, I just sense there was a lot of unusual movement today while I was speaking. It doesn't distract me, but I noticed it. It's because people get uneasy when you talk about death. You get fidgety and get, I don't want to hear that. that I, sometimes you need to hear it. For some of you, death is standing behind you. You're young, but he's there. Death is there. For some of us, death stands right in front of you. Some of you more close than others. We have a realization that we're all living on borrowed time, the time he gave us. So I'd like you to bow your head with me, and I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask that the Lord just brings his peace to your life this morning. Now, first of all, Lord, we come to you for those who may not know you. If you're here today and, and this scares you because you don't want to spend eternity in hell, eternal death, but you want eternal life, well, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the way. He's the truth. And he brings eternal life. Simply trust his grace. You trust his grace. Put your faith in him. Say, God, I, I love you. I, I, I'm going to serve you. Jesus, I accept your sacrifice. That's the answer that gets you in heaven on that day. If that's you, right now, you just say that prayer. Father, I accept what you did for me on the cross. And by grace, through faith, I now confess you to be my Lord and Savior. And for the rest of us, let this be a reminder. Let this be a reminder that Jesus holds the key holds all the keys. As we conclude this podcast, we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast. 
your place for real, relevant relationships.